I'm Enrique Serna, and welcome to Conversations. For King County Executive Dow Constantine, 2016 ended on a high note as he received national recognition for his governing efforts. But he knows that in 2017, King County will face challenges and uncertainty as Donald Trump assumes the presidency. As this region experiences tremendous growth, there continues to be concern about housing, affordability, homelessness, and other equity issues. I sat down with the county executive in his office recently to talk about 2016 and what's ahead in this new year. Well, first of all, congratulations on 2016 and being named the uh, Public Official of the Year by Govern Governing Magazine, which actually is in front of me here. We'll show the photo. You have a very nice spread. You're looking good there. <laughs> so, but tell me about that. And, and uh, that must be uh, quite an honor. Well, thanks, Enrique. Thanks for having me. Yes, it is an honor. It, it, is, uh, it is nice to be recognized. I mean, public service is its own reward. People wouldn't do it if they uh, didn't get some gratification out of being able to make their community better. But every once in a while, having some outside validation helps too. And uh, this award, uh, as it turned out, was really based on a lot of work that was done by a lot of people, the partnerships that we've built here in King County to deliver on Best Arts for Kids, on the, on the low-income bus fare, uh, on our, our big win on sound transit this year. All of these things uh, were, uh, were efforts that required uh, dozens and hundreds and thousands of people putting their shoulders to the wheel, but they gave me the award, so I'm happy about that. <laughs> well, it's also a national magazine, which mm -hmm. also acknowledges the work that's happening here and the progress that's happening here as well. Um, but let's uh, also look ahead to uh, what's New Year. 2017 and the fact that we have a uh, new administration about coming to office mm -hmm. and Donald Trump. Um, a lot of questions as to what's going to happen, but as you look ahead there, what are your biggest concerns about the Trump administration and the potential impact on King County? Yes, well, uh, let's just focus on King County because my biggest concerns go well beyond uh, <laughs> county well, for the county, yeah. as the guy in charge. Uh, you know, this county voted uh, five to one against Trump, um, four to one against Trump. It's, uh, it is a place where people embrace a very different set of values than he was articulating in his campaign. And we are going to continue to be true to those values and to our commitments on the environment, on promoting equity and social justice on really having our community continue to work toward being that ideal that was articulated by the founders of this country, to be a place where every person has the full and fair opportunity to succeed based on his or her merits and not on some accident of birth. There, um, earlier today, you attended a press conference where there was uh Basically, public officials like yourself uh, standing up against any hate, acts of hate, mm -hmm. uh, and, and declaring the fact that that's not acceptable mm -hmm. in King County. Um, are you cons concerned that recently there have been yeah. these things that have happened at a mosque in Redmond, other types of incidents seem to be growing during this time? Uh, I'm, I'm very concerned. I think that the rhetoric 
in this campaign uh, unleashed gave license to uh, a lot of behavior that is uh, has been considered unacceptable. Racist behavior, homophobic behavior, Islamophobic behavior. And even in Blue Washington and even in Martin Luther King County, we have seen many incidents that I think would not have happened before the, uh, the, the well was so poisoned, uh, before this toxic environment took hold. Uh, you mentioned the, the mosque in, in Redmond. Uh, I don't think there's a one of us around here who doesn't know personally someone who has been victimized or uh, 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 attacked verbally. Um, friends in the LGBT community, racial minorities. Uh, the, the environment has changed and it's changed for the worse and we need to stand up shoulder to shoulder and say this is not who we are, this is not what we want our America to be and we're not going to stand for it. Uh, Seattle says it's going to continue to be a sanctuary city. Uh, is that the same for King County as you see it? We have, we have long said that we are not going to uh, become the instruments of, of any sort of immigration policy from any administration. We provide public safety services. We provide public health services. And when someone calls because they, they need the help of a police officer or when we ask someone to testify in court against the accused or when uh, a mom brings her child to a public health clinic, her sick child, we don't demand to see their papers. We say, how can we help you? Because you're part of our community. If we do demand to see their papers, it's very likely that crimes in progress are not going to cause a police officer to be called, that we're not going to get cooperation in prosecuting criminals in court, that a sick kid will get sicker and might in fact infect other kids too. This notion that we as local governments are somehow going to get into the business of ratting out and rounding up our neighbors is uh, uh, just unacceptable to us. So that has long been our policy. The Obama administration was willing to work with us, although they continued to uh, seek ways to to use our, our, uh, our justice system to carry out their immigration policies. But uh, we, we cannot accept that. We are in the business of providing service, not in the business of enforcing immigration laws. There are a lot of people that are immigrants out there right now that are very mm -hmm. scared. What yeah. would you say to them? Well, first of all, we are with you. Not just the government, but the people here. The people of this community, of this county of this region uh, understand that, first of all, we, we must protect the rights of immigrants because it is right, but also that immigrants have been the foundation of generations of success and prosperity in this region, economically, culturally, socially. Each new wave of immigrants has brought new energy and ideas and perspective uh, to a remarkably dynamic and international region, and we cannot uh, put a damper on that. We need to have that uh, influx to be able to keep growing. Yeah. Second generation, by the way. Excellent. So, um, Let's talk about, uh, do you have any sense, I guess, it's still very early, uh, or concerns as you, as you look at it, 
with the Trump administration coming into office, any potential federal uh, funding impacts on the county? Well, I've, I've asked the leaders of my departments to put together uh, lists of all of the federal funds that we receive in any form or fashion. Uh, you know, we do depend on federal funding quite a lot. Most of our money is generated locally. But uh, if they were to find a way to cut funding, and Congress would have to be complicit in this, uh, you know, public health is clearly at risk. Uh, I think environmental protection is clearly at risk. Public safety is clearly at risk. Uh, and, you know, furthermore, in terms of broader policy, we signed up 200,000 King County residents under the Affordable Care Act for health care. And if that were to go away, that in itself would be a massive public health crisis. So um, the impacts, uh, potential impacts, are severe. The potential political impacts to anybody seeking to do those sorts of things, I imagine, would also be quite severe. Housing, are you concerned about that in, in that area in particular? Uh, you know, we have a lot of local funding and housing, if that's what you're asking about. Yeah. Um, and we are concerned that the leaders of some of these federal agencies are hostile to their very missions at HUD, at EPA. Uh, it is one thing to have someone who doesn't quite understand or doesn't, isn't fully committed, but someone who is diametrically opposed to the thing the agency was created to do is, um, is going to be a problem inevitably. Ben Carson, uh, Dr. Ben Carson, has been nominated to head HUD. Yes. Um, he has no government experience and right. has not dealt with a massive agency like that. Mm -hmm. Is that concerning to you? Well, yes. I mean, in the sense that he's seeking to carry out bad policy, it's probably an advantage that he's never been in government and hasn't dealt with a big agency because it is not an easy thing to do. This is a government of 14,000 people, and it's taken me, uh, you know, all my time in, in office to get uh, uh, the, the, the lay of the land and be able to reach in and affect policy um, implementation uh, across the board. And I think that that's going to be a big problem with Trump's cabinet in general. They don't know what they are doing. Uh, even if they uh, were trying to do the right thing, they don't know what they're doing. Uh, but it is going to be, um, you know, it would be comical if it wasn't so dangerous. Also, one of the areas that the county has really committed itself is climate change. Mm -hmm. uh, and whoever, well, the potential new EPA administrator has also been someone that has been uh, yeah. against that, mm -hmm. uh, has challenged the EPA uh, and during his time as a legislator, lawmaker out of Oklahoma. Um, concerned about you know how that might impact uh, what the county has been doing because we made a strong commitment. It's part of your mm -hmm. goals. Well, we are going to move forward on our commitment. We and our cities, uh, on behalf of all the people, have committed to an 80% reduction in carbon emissions by 2050. And we have the steps in place to be able to accomplish that, and we're going to move forward because we have to. Uh, turning tail and running away from our international agreements on climate uh, backing away even from the science that NASA and other agencies are doing uh, isn't merely foolish. I mean, it is, it is sabotage. It is sabotaging not only that science, but the planet. And uh, it is an outrage against the American people and all the people of the world. We 
really have some of the best minds here in this region to work on this issue. And one of our opportunities, notwithstanding the incoming administration, is to push forward um, in, a, in the uh, green energy and green technology space so that we can have an economic uh, opportunity for folks working in that area. Uh, the attempt to resurrect the dying coal industry uh, is just a, a, a perfect example of the people looking backward to a time that is long gone when what we need to be doing is focusing our energy on the kinds of technology that folks are going to need in the future, whether it's in the United States or around the world. Um, Boeing has announced that they may be making some big cuts in this coming year. Uh, are you concerned about the, the potential impact? I mean, we, we obviously have a, a more diverse yeah. economic situation here than we had during the mm -hmm. time of the late 60s and 70s when, when Boeing uh, made massive cuts and it really hurt the region. Can we withstand that? Uh, we can. Uh, when I was a kid here, uh, we went through the Boeing bust and there were a, a lot of ups and downs with Boeing all along. And Boeing was the big employer in town. And, you know, when Boeing sneezed, everyone caught a cold. Uh, they're still tremendously important. And they're important in a couple of ways. One, it's a legacy. It's part of our history. Two, they provide a lot of the jobs that, well, uh, they require high skills, don't necessarily require an advanced degree. And you can still work there and be able to afford to, to raise a family and buy a home, as uh, lots of folks did when I was a kid here. One of the challenges we have is this disappearing middle class in our region. Uh, a lot of technology, uh, sort of 21st century industries are, are, are employing lots of people at uh, relatively high wages. And a lot of folks are in the service industries at relatively low wages. And the part in the middle that was so much the, the norm when I was a kid is ebbing away. And so that, that really, not the overall economic impact, but that specific impact would be my concern, that we'll lose opportunities for folks who, uh, who don't have the skills or the education to go get a programming job at Microsoft or go get that gig at Amazon where the jobs are being created by the thousands. We have also a situation now of, you know, despite what happened with Boeing, is the fact that we have a lot of growth here, tremendous mm -hmm. growth, particularly in Seattle. But a lot of uh, folks cannot afford to live within yeah. the city. Many people are moving into South King County, even looking for opportunities to be able to have affordable housing. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of gentrification going on. What's the concern about that, and how do you address it so that people can have uh, you know quality of life? Yeah. Well, I mean, in this uh, case, we're clearly the victims of our own success. Mm -hmm. I mean, people from around the world want to come here now. Uh, uh, Airbnb just named my home neighborhood of West Seattle as one of the 10 hottest neighborhoods in the world. It seems ridiculous to all of us who grew up in West Seattle, but the fact is that their bookings there have gone up uh, exponentially. And uh, it, is, it is a real challenge, not just in terms of uh, housing affordability, that is to say the price versus your paycheck, but all of the social supports that go along with uh, housing stability. When you are able to be near family 
and friends, when you build these networks that will allow you to uh, help people when they're down or maybe somebody will catch you when you fall, and folks are displaced, there, uh, there is then the, 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 the danger that the folks will fall a long way because no one is there to catch them. My classmates in West Seattle, I graduated from West Seattle High School many years ago. Uh, <laughs> Me too. Like, yeah. Not from West Seattle. <laughs> and, you know, an awful lot of them whose parents comfortably bought a house in our neighborhood, a lot, an awful lot of them had moved away. They didn't move across the country. They just moved till they could afford it. And I see this when we get together, which we do quite often. Um, I think that part of the solution is creating more housing stock of different styles for people who don't need to or even want to be in a single-family home. I think some of it is allowing uh, very well-tailored infill development in existing neighborhoods, whether it's cottage housing or uh, duplex, but not the kind of development that completely upends the current uh, structure and networks, but the kind of development that strengthens it so that uh, maybe folks who are getting older in their home can move to the cottage and rent out their house so they can continue to live there. Maybe the widow can move to the senior's apartment and a new family with kids can move into that house and they can all still be in the neighborhood. That level of detail, of specificity, of, of care is very difficult to get in zoning. But that's what needs to happen in this city and in this region for us to really be able to provide housing across the whole spectrum. It, it, we need a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about that because we have a lot of younger people that are also looking for those yeah. opportunities either to live in the city, but then again, they may have to move outside. So uh, looking back here in 2016, one great success was the passage of Sound Transit 3. Mm -hmm. uh, long term, that's going to be uh, very special for this area. Um, I imagine you were quite happy when you, I know you pushed that very hard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I really did put my all into that because I think it is, in many ways, the most important thing that we needed to do. Uh, when I was a kid, once again, we failed twice to uh, create a transit system that would have been funded mostly by the federal government, a rail system. We've been working our way back from those defeats ever since. Uh, Sound Transit 3 will knit together this entire metropolitan region, which is the city in which we live, whether, whether your address is in Bellevue or Federal Way or Muckleteo. From Everett to Tacoma and Lakewood, from Issaquah to West Seattle and Ballard to, to, to Redmond, that is our city. That is where people live their lives, get their jobs, get their education. and. People need to be able to get around that in order to be successful and to have opportunity to move up. It also goes directly to the housing affordability question we were just discussing. First, having a car is incredibly expensive. And if you can have one fewer car, you can save ten dollars to $13,000 a year in this region. That helps a lot with your housing affordability. So if you can be near high capacity transit just for your daily commute, it helps. Second, transit stations are a great place to be able to build housing so that people can uh, get around without so much cost. That really incents developers to build more of that housing we're talking about needing. And you know, third, the transit stations are places where we can place subsidized housing, permanently affordable housing, 
so that we really uh, give people that stability we were talking about earlier. If you're able to get a place that you can afford and you know you'll always be able to afford it, and you're able to take the train or the express bus, you're going to be able to start building that life you want for yourself and your kids. And so it's tied together. It's all, it's, yeah, and really the, the main issue here is that the transportation infrastructure in which you invest creates the land use you live with. So if you want walkable communities, if you want mobility for all the people and the maximum number of people living where they can walk to transit, you need to lay down the transit first. And then the building will come around those stations. And we've seen it in our own history here and across the country, and that is what folks are gonna see over the decades from this investment. The county has put a real emphasis as part of your goals on, on equity. Yeah. An opportunity. Um, and how do you see that helping, I guess, county government, but also the county in general? Uh, our general notion is that every person should have a full and fair opportunity to achieve his or her potential. And that could be, you know, potential in terms of earnings or education or, or, or creating things during this one life. Uh, and the equity and social justice commitment is really about removing the unfair barriers that have been placed in the way of people realizing their potential. Um, that may be racial, it may be gender-based, it may have to do with sexual orientation or immigration status or any number of issues. But the fact is that we in this country have not reached a place where you succeed based on your merit. You may succeed based in part on your merit, but an awful lot of people who are working very hard and have a lot to contribute are held back uh, by things that are not their fault. If we remove those and allow everybody to contribute to the community, everybody to succeed, everybody to pull in the same direction. It will benefit everybody, all of us. When you're doing better, we are all doing better. When those of us who have least, the person who has least is able to get on his or her own feet and start to give and contribute and take care of themselves and their families, we all do better. So that is our commitment, as it is our core commitment as a government, and whether it's in public health or public safety or human services, or the physical world of housing and transportation, we use that filter to, to help guide us. Best Start for Kids, uh, that has been uh, an important element here. And I know as a father of a, what, a two and a half year old, that must be a, very important for you. How do you see that uh, growing here in the next years? Uh, Best Starts for Kids is a great crystallization of what we want to accomplish as a government. We don't want to be reacting to problems. We want to be moving upstream and preventing problems before they occur. We want to be helping people get onto the right path rather than uh, intervening when they're on the wrong path. And Best Starts for Kids is aimed at letting us do that even in a time of limited resources. So we are uh, leading off by preventing family and youth homelessness. And we're following a pilot that was created by the Gates Foundation and others. They announced grants to 27 community-based organizations, and they're going to ask 
those parents, those moms who are teetering on the brink of homelessness, what do you need today to keep your family housed? And those caseworkers will be able, with flexible funds, to provide that thing and prevent all the harm that comes from a family and kids ending up in the street. Uh, we will then move on to other programs that uh, increase home visitations and the support that a young parent might need to do right by their kid. Uh, to follow kids through school so that we can catch things like developmental delay or mental health challenges or addiction. And to make sure that they reach young adulthood ready for higher education or ready for training for a job uh, and, and really start to prevent some of the sad stories and the, and the difficult problems that we have to wrestle with as a county government on a regular basis. Related to this, you, you've had some pushback on building of a new juvenile mm -hmm. facility. Um, what do you tell those folks that are just adamantly opposed to this, mm -hmm. which I know you've heard from them a number of times? Yeah. So we're tearing down and rebuilding the um, Juvenile Justice Center on First Hill and to be the Children and Family Justice Center. And the notion is that we want to have a place that has a lot less detention, a lot more services so that we can get to the underlying challenges for the kids and the families. There are some folks who think we should have no detention at all for anyone under the age of 18. Um, I think that's a nice ideal, but it's not practical. We actually agree on everything else that anybody who is a good candidate for, uh, for, for going into a different program rather than being prosecuted should go there. That any, anybody who has a challenge with truancy doesn't belong in the jail, belongs in uh, some sort of alternative school program. That we need to find every kid who can be gotten back on track and get them back on track and not have them get dragged into the judicial system because it is not helpful to them. But we diverge when they get to the point of asking whether we ever need to detain anyone because if someone is genuinely and immediately dangerous to themselves or others, we also have a responsibility to protect people. So we want it to be as good and healthy an environment as possible and the detention center right now is not that. And so a lot of advocates got together and asked that we do this. It was placed before the voters and passed and we really have the, the opportunity in this county to show the nation that this can be done better, that we can get away from incarceration as a solution to society's problems, because it's not, and get to a place where we are providing kids the help they need to be able to go on and lead successful lives. Do we have an opportunity to show the nation that we can make some impact in, uh, on homelessness? We uh, have a state of emergency yeah. here that uh, it is, you know, a problem throughout the West Coast, but growing throughout the nation. Yeah, uh, I do think we have an opportunity to do that. Homelessness is a really difficult issue, or of course it would have been solved a long time ago. Uh, first, prevention, and I told you we're already working hard on that. That's the, the, the least expensive, most effective uh, uh, way to address homelessness. Then rapid rehousing, getting people back into secure shelter, not shelter, but housing, so they can start to rebuild the other parts of their lives with services. And in the shelter system, what you want to do is not keep building more of it, but keep moving people out of it and into uh, security 
so that uh, the shelter really is just a, a, a brief transitional moment because some people end up in shelter for weeks and months and months and months, and that is not helping them get their lives back in order. Uh, so we have a lot of folks in this community who want to help. We have governments, we have nonprofits. The business community uh, is approaching me with ideas. And this is one of those collective impact moments where every party needs to agree on the point of the horizon, on the horizon to which we are walking, and then everybody needs to do their part to get us there. And if we do that, if we're able to arrange all of these you know, good programs and good intentions around a single focus, we actually can do it. 2016, a tumultuous year, particularly with this presidential election campaign that we all seem to have to go through and uh, at times uh, didn't always enjoy because it was uh, at times very toxic. So what's your hope for 2017? Well, that those of us who retain this vision of an America that is for everyone and where everyone can succeed based on merit, that we are able to band together. The metropolitan regions, the West Coast, the, the people, the majority, who did not vote for the incoming president. That we can band together and keep this flame that was lit by the founders of this country alive. That we can continue to push forward toward the promise of this country even while things are uh, circling the drain in the nation's capital. And that when people awake to the fact that they made a mistake, we will be there ready to welcome people back. King County Executive, Dow Constantine, thank you for your time and let's have a good year in 2017. To hear more podcasts from KCTS 9 Digital Studios, visit kcts9.org slash podcasts.